Welcome to the Toy Ponarchy Podcast. It's a show about the people at Toy. I guess we should introduce ourselves. My name's Gary Peters. I'm an artist practicing here in Wellington, and I'm also on the team at Toy. And the other voice you've heard is Mark. He'll tell you about himself now. <laughs> Mark Tantrum, photographer and resident. I've got a studio here. And I guess for people who don't know, what is Toy? Should we probably explain that? Yeah, it's, it's an art centre. It's at the top of Cuba Street here in the heart of Wellington. Um, it's a place where the city arts communities come, they interact, they produce innovative works, they teach, exhibit. I've got dance studios here, there's rehearsal spaces, both for musicians, for theatre practices. It's a really quite a buzzy little place. So we're in this podcast talking to artists, we're talking to residents, we're talking to members of the team, the staff, all about different aspects of the centre. And this week we're talking to Lisa Munley. That's right. Um, Lisa, she's, I've known her for a few years now. She's got a fascinating drawing practice. She's recently had an exhibition here at Toy, so we're going to chat to her about that and see what happened for her. Gary can introduce, or she can introduce herself. Say, tell us who you are, Lisa. I'm Lisa Manley. Um, what I do, I draw. I draw big charcoal pictures. Um, I usually draw them on site in yep. the gallery and store them as part of the exhibition. Um, to date, they've always been in charcoal, and um, I put rules in place when I do these drawings and I put these rules in place so that uh, I can explore things or the relationship between mind and matter or action and form and those sorts of things. So, okay. Yeah. Because you had the show at Toy Panicki a couple of months ago now. Mm, that long it seems. Uh, have you always, yeah. like is drawing always been your thing? Yeah, pretty much. Like right from yeah, art right school. from right. Not, well, going right. back even further, like as a four-year-old, I one of my earliest memories is the uh, teacher telling my mother that I was advanced because my drawings had a a torso. I knew that you know it was going to yeah. be my thing. Probably thank you, whoever that teacher was. <laughs> <laughs> and always wanting to be an artist, even at four or. Or is it uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, I knew. I just, that was something I was wanting to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. Yeah, I, I say, I think it's sometimes there's something you know but don't always. You get to realise. You can't always <laughs> articulate, you can't always <laughs> articulate it. Or Other things get in the way, like rent or. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like conditioning at school, like there's always that sort of pushing you into these different. Um, safer yeah. directions, isn't there? Yeah, I didn't really get that. I was pretty hopeless at lots of, um, you know, things like maths and stuff. So right. I think I did show an aptitude. So you know, my parents were always pretty. Oh, that's good. Yeah, they didn't, you know, push yeah. me to be a budding scientist or anything. But, yeah. And just thinking back to your work at Toy, because that was that was that performance element in there, and I know you did a show before that at Bats, but could you tell us about that and how sort of one led to the other and the ideas you Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so you're right, the, the work that I did here at Toy Pornicky, that 
was a follow-on or a development on from uh, work that I'd done probably two months earlier back in March um, and that was part of a symposium called Performing Writing and the call for that symposium when it came out was for people to challenge or reimagine the idea, reimagine the relationship between the written word and the performed act or the live act. Okay. And so that was the call and for me I, I responded to it because I've, I've always been interested in this correlation between writing and drawing mm. and the similarities I, I saw in them and I, I don't know if I should admit to this but when I sit down <laughs> to write funny. something quite often I don't really have much of an idea of what I'm actually going to write. You have mm. a, a rough hazy thing okay. but mm. the form emerges and the details crystallize and the act of writing itself that's what right. produces the detail mm. yeah. and for me that's the same in my drawing and it's the same in the drawings that I'm interested in by other people in my own work this idea of um, semblance or some sort of cohesion that happens through the act of, of making so I was really interested in this kind of way that these two things were speaking to each other so um, I proposed to that and it got accepted and it was at BATS, and it was outside of my BATS theatre in Wellington. Um, it's an unusual venue for an artist, like yeah, a visual artist. Yeah, yeah. and I was oh. definitely, as you, you know, yeah. an interloper in that yeah. field. <laughs> so it was kind of a little bit intimidating field of international kind of scenographers and theatre designers and dancers and actors all doing their piece in BATS. And, I was drawing, so that that um, led led to this work. Right. Okay. Um, and it was yeah quite with that work. The difference was same drawing in the performance that yep. I did, the same drawing as such. But in that work, I have collected over the time quotes and bits of writing about drawing by other people who can write beautifully, and I collected those quotes. Yep and stored them waiting for a moment like that where I could use them. So I had all these quotes that I wanted to use or wanted to read out as part of the performance, but I didn't know exactly what the drawing would be to, to yeah. speak to those quotes. Um, and it was around that time that I was invited by uh, Emma Feber-Richards from Massey yeah, to, to do a teacher summer block paper, contemporary drawing and I had to come up with content for a week and so I decided to structure the week around this idea of structure and serendipity and get the students to explore the sort of relationship between those two things. Mm. And so one of the exercises I set up was, I called it a homage to Dorothea. And I don't know if you, either of you are familiar with Dorothea Rockburn. Um, she, was, she did a drawing back in 1972, year I was born, called The Drawing That Makes Itself. And it's a very sparse, elegant drawing where the paper is folded and she's just traced the edge of it. And so I took that, sort of riffed on it a bit and got the students oh, to yeah, fold yeah. over an A4 piece of paper and trace the shapes that they had made. So the drawing, the paper is making the drawing, it's making yeah. itself. And when I was sitting there trying to rack my brains as to what drawing would speak to all these quotes about drawing and mm. how drawing and writing and drawing and reading and drawing and life in general are unfolded and together, I suddenly realised that that exercise had got the students 
to do just spoke on so many levels to what I was mm. trying to communicate. So I was like, yay, sorted <laughs> I got my I got my drawing. So then I just um, set about working how I could take that A4 exercise and a, bring it closer to my practice, which is large scale, involves charcoal, involves the body and measurement, and also think about the theatre as a space that, yes, I hadn't drawn yeah. in before and mm. come is very different from a gallery space. I was going to say, you were talking about it earlier, about bats, mm. and bats is this big, well, this large black box. Mm. That was mice galleries, are these pristine white cubes, mm. and studios sort of sit somewhere in between. They're a little bit more grubby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're saying, uh, you, placed, was it, you placed a big white wall mm. in this big black box. Mm. I mean, that must have visually Yeah, it looked great. Something. I didn't really need to draw anything <laughs> on it at all. I could have just <laughs> gone <laughs> down. So well, you, you brought that in, in in the time that you had for the performance as well. Is that right? Or? No, the wall was already in place before oh, the performance okay. started. I didn't construct the wall as okay. part of the performance. The oh, wall right. was there. It was there. Yeah. And then you then reacted to or used that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it looked great um, mm. in there because the propeller stage, if you're familiar with yeah. that, it is just a totally black box. So mm, when you yeah. take a, a... It was probably about nearly six metres long by two and a half metres high, so it was no small wall. That's a good bit of wall. That's, yeah, <laughs> white with stage lights on it. Oh, yeah. that's going to paint. Just, oh, yeah, just <laughs> So I was just, yeah, when the set started, I just left that. Um, because one of the things I wanted to, one of the first quotes was talking about the blank page. So there's oh, always that. Yeah. Both for writers and for artists, that for artists it's that first mark you make mm. on a canvas. For mm. writers it's that sitting at the typewriter with a blank page and yeah, yeah, yeah. just what you write, what yeah. you type. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. The musician that's silent. So we've all, yeah. every creative person deals with that empty... Pregnant pause, yeah. but whatever it is. It's yeah. actually not empty. No. It's really it's... full of stuff. And so that yeah. was one of the things I wanted to to talk about with this right. white wall for a start off. Yeah. About the fullness of emptiness, about this void. It's so not just a that's, blank, that's passive surface. Yeah, that's mm. quite um, an eastern way of thinking. I'm just thinking about it. Is it um, the Tao? And just, you know, the value of a cup mm. is this base in which the water sits. Yes. Mm. It's, that seems a similar kind of thing going on there. Probably I'm not. The potential, I, I potential, don't know too of much the, about potential of the void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, so there's a lot of... Um, so there's this big white wall waiting for you to, to go out and mm. make a mark on it. So I... I, I you obviously work in a theatre, yeah. you work with other people like mm. a lighting person and a sound yeah. person and I had instructed those people like I just want to have a pause and right. I sort of said like three minutes and they were like three minutes what are you doing <laughs> no one's going to leave yeah. Yeah. and I was like I wanted them to feel that and, he's, and the guy's like that happens after three seconds I was like three yeah. seconds and yeah. he said yeah if nothing happens after three seconds people start wow. feeling uncomfortable it's a sign of our times, eh? Short Jeez. three seconds on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a long you know, time. Ago, right? <laughs> oh, three minutes. But, but see, like as yeah. an artist, though, you quite often will sit in a studio and look at a work and do nothing or appear to be doing nothing for a fair bit of time. You'll sit back and look at work and just sit there and look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're not actually, nothing's happening. It's just you're looking at this thing and thoughts are whizzing around mm. your brain. Mm. But to anybody coming in from the outside, you're just sitting there drinking a cup of tea, maybe. Yeah. There's a whole different dynamic when you go into a theatre full of people yeah, yeah, serious. watching you, and then yeah. there's an expectation of some form of action performance or entertainment. Yeah, we, ex we expect entertainment when we go to yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that was really interesting because so the the the, the instruction was the audience comes in, the wall lights yeah. hit the wall, the walls there people would expect something to start happening and it wasn't as long as three minutes but it was longer than three I seconds. Like, how long was it? <laughs> I'm not sure, it felt like an eternity for me at the time. But, um, so I was just standing there and at Bats there's kind of a little uh, alleyway you can stand between the audience which is sort of banked up on either side so mm. I was just sort of standing there in this little trench mm. in between the people and I could hear them sort of settling in their seats, it was all dark, and hear them settling and then it's kind of quiet. And then when they started getting a bit anxious or fed up with waiting, you could feel them sort right. of wiggling around and the chairs started yeah. squeaking. So it was very interesting, that darkness, um, taking away those things, just how to hear it. You could just sense right. the change in the audience. It's very interesting. Mm. And then I had it that the readings would start. And so I had right. people with different voices talking about emptiness, talking about the blankness of the yeah. page and quotes like it's you know, rather than emptiness it's actually a fullness and the act of the artist is more an act of clearing. Okay. Clearing yeah. away redundant noise and uh, oh, you know, right. finding a place within all that noise yeah. to make your own mark. So it was a chance for me to kind of bring all these quotes that I'd had. And then after about three minutes, then I entered, <laughs> and that was really hard to to go because right. I was sort of listening to the you know and in, and also yeah. with the black and white thing and going from being one of the audience sort of in the yeah. dark to actually having to step out um, onto that. Were you wearing all black or no? All I was white? wearing all white, right. which is also wow. quite yep. different for yeah, me because yeah. I normally mm. wear mostly black. Yeah, like most Wellingtonians. So, yeah, 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 yeah Wellingtonians. So. <laughs> but aesthetically, I wanted yeah. to wear white to kind of merge in with the picture plane. That was the right. idea a little cool. bit, and yeah. to mm. be a canvas for the charcoal as it right. picked up. So yeah, another way for me to feel out of my comfort zone is where I'm. Yeah, <laughs> and also <laughs> I guess it's sort of another way of just sort of marking this thing as a performance. Mm. It's like putting on your clothes to go to work. It's yes. like, well, I'm putting on my white performance clothes. Yes, I have performance clothes. I have yeah. white performance sneakers. Right. Awesome. I have, yeah. yeah. Are they still white? No, they're oh. not. <laughs> I've managed to amazing plug for Nappy San. I've managed to get the charcoal <laughs> out of everything. I've used the same clothes for yep. the Toipaniki show. Right, and they, look, they look, look pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good oh. eh? Should have right. been get out the shoes though, they went very good. Right. Didn't soak them in Nappy San, so. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it take? Like, does it, I get a sense of bravery in terms of like, that just for most people would be terrifying. Yeah, it to, was really terrifying. So how, how did you kind of, 
give well, yourself that kick to get well to I turned 45 the day before so it was the day after right. my birthday and so I was feeling 45 and I was like <laughs> I stood in the toilets because the toilets were right next to her and I looked at myself dressed all in white thinking what the hell do you look like <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, really nervous as you are before the, you know, terrified. And I yeah. just sort of thought, hmm, 45, just get over it, just <laughs> do it. God, you know, yeah. getting old, just don't worry about it. Just go it's do it. What, yeah. What's the worst that can happen? So, so yeah, but it was, it was very hard, as I said, to, to leave that. Because normally when you go to the theatre, you are in that. I say, you're sitting nice, there watching. Passive, yeah, than, so yeah. to step from that into the... So yeah. it, it really felt like time was down to that, and oh, now okay. is the moment. Now I step on, and then it's, it is it's showtime. You know? So yeah. it's so different from a gallery installation experience. And I don't yeah. think, and it is, they say the, like, the bravery of actors, and I totally mm. get that now mm. because it is a courage thing. And God, if you added lines and things else, you know, I just had a script that I had to follow with that act, and I had, it was a script of, pretty much didn't involve me having to think or make any decisions, just right. do what I had set in place to do. But if you're an actor and you had to remember lines and yeah. big big ups to actors. Being, yeah. Being a rock star as well. I think some other types of people just love that. You know, they love sure. the limelight and things and um, that's yeah. I find myself not particularly comfortable like right. in that yeah. thing. So if I my work has been described performative in the past and that has been because of the fact that a I because the drawings I do are so big. Sometimes yeah. they take days to you know they might be eight meters long. One at City Go mm. was eight meters long. Mm. Took three days to kind of install. So I might as well have it open to the public while I'm doing it. It's a long time to have the gallery shut. But it's, so performance in that sense, and also performative. And I think because there's quite strict parameters that I put in place like there's no color it's just black mm -hmm. there's one media and there's usually one mark or rhythm or process so they're mm -hmm. quite paired back yeah. frameworks and they that that kind of reduction there allows the the material to kind of shine so it, it shows the real quality of the charcoal if you have this kind of rules or frameworks and it becomes like a stage in which the material can act. That's where I see the performative act. I'm, I'm more comfortable letting the materials act than putting myself on stage. That's right. not my so, so comfort you're, zone. So you're, you're, you're a, a vehicle to help the yes, materials yes, do that, but yes. you're in, yeah. they're in service of the materials, yeah. of the artwork. Yes. And you're not facing the audience as a performer so much, always. You're, you're facing the wall. Yeah, and the differences oh. between, I guess, a gallery and a theatre is in a gallery, people come and go. So the audience mm. went to the gallery and then they'll go. And generally, in my experience, very few people actually try and interact with you. You're involved with the drawing. You're, you're hardly aware of the audience coming and going, which is quite different from in a theatre when you're, the mm. audience is already sitting, yeah. waiting, and you have to enter. So yeah. quite a different... Mm. I'm sort of thinking about the work you did at Toy, and I'm realising we're talking about these drawings, <laughs> and nobody can see them. No, no. Um, so go look at the website; they'll be up there. Link we'll, in the show notes. People. Yeah, we'll put links in, and you can go see these incredible charcoal drawings. But just talking about the theatre, yeah, 
doing something in, in the theatre at Bats and then reworking that performance and doing it in a gallery, mm. what was, I mean, how did that fit? You know, you're taking... With music. Yeah, you're doing it with music or sound in the gallery, but you've got an audience. I mean, it was quite different to the theatre audience mm. or mm. and just the feel, because performances happen in art, art galleries, but I guess it's quite a different feel. Mm. There's a different expectation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. different for you. I mean, well. they were both linked to the fact that yeah. they both had a performance in that I entered, yeah. which yes. was the first time I had done that in a gallery as right. well. So yeah. that was, we did change the gallery to become more like a theatre, and the fact yes. that when we put the seats into the gallery, yeah. suddenly, mm -hmm. just in putting the chairs in there, yeah. facing this wall, it became quite theatre-like, because yeah. you're not used yeah. to seeing seats or chairs in That's the gallery space. That's true, and the way, space. The, the way the space was lit as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm, yeah. So we made the gallery quite theatre-like, but it mm. was different yeah. in that, well, A, it wasn't sort of a bunch of people I didn't know, so yeah. that added a stress level and that it was for the <laughs> colleagues and people like that. Well, what are they going to make of this? That added a different kind of stress. Yeah, and but the new thing was I had Simon, the, so yeah. I invited Simon Eastwood, who's a musician, yep. um, Polder, introduced me to him, and so that was the new element, and um, mm. that was, was great. It was very fresh, like I'd met yep. with Simon once before, and right. over literally a cup of coffee he just said, I just said what I wanted and he said do, do you mean like this and it was right. yep that's great awesome. <laughs> so he we just had this this sort of connection well the yeah. sounds that he was he's had a great big double bass yeah. which is an instrument I love mm. anyway and there was some parallels visually between the strings and the lines I was making yeah. and the sound of drawing a bow across yeah. The strings. Yeah, I mean, I was there watching that performance mm. and talking with people afterwards. They loved it. I mean, it was really quite something. Yeah. Uh, but I can remember watching you begin to draw around this bit of paper and just the sort of the amount of effort that you were putting in to make that mark. I, 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 you could hear hear it sort of squeaking, and in the other lines I noticed weren't quite as physical. Mm. Uh, I mean, what's the physical toll like of making? Because they're big works, and mm. moving. What's it like on your body? Oh, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> um, yeah, there's different different parts. The the hardest bit with that drawing actually yeah. was the pinning. So these drawings are right. based on. They're, they're drawings right. that are made up of two pieces of paper. So you've got a very large piece of paper, which is yep. the backdrop, but then the smaller piece of paper, which is probably just a bit bigger than an A1, so it's still a big bit of paper. Yeah. That is the piece of paper that I am tracing around the perimeter of. Now that piece of paper is always pinned by, by yeah. a pin in the corner, and mm. I'm moving it around. So... Not so much in that performance work, because that stayed pinned in one place. But when right. I came on to do the gallery drawings, which we'll talk about, yeah. that was quite hard, because I'm repinning it. So that's uh, quite hard to push the pins into the gallery wall. Yes. Yep. The act yeah. of drawing, yeah, it is physical. It's, you're, you, I'm stretching, I'm down on yeah. my knees, I'm, so that it is very bodily. As a series, the folding is not as um, the most physically demanding works for previous works I've done right. with the motherboard series, and that was yeah, they very like a lot of black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a um, 
I sometimes have helpers with that because it gets so. If I'm covering large fields, it just becomes. And just think, you know, is there like a health risk as well, well with the dust or? There is. If you're if you're agitating paper, right. yep. generally when you're applying the dust, it, it falls down. Right. Yep. So I have done work where it's <coughs> that's hacking. Oh, yeah, you no, do that once, yeah, and yeah. then you. Do I have that. done work where yeah. you've got a lot of charcoal on the paper right. and you're moving it. And that's when you need a mask. But yep. generally, yep. the trail right. drops. Yeah. And they also had the, that night um, doing the performance, there was some video projection mm. going mm. on as well. Yeah, so that was, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that I had um, worked with Ollie, so for the performing writing work at BATS, I um, invited Ollie Blair, so he's also at Massey's, bit of a, a digital whiz, and um, I invited him to, to work with me on the project, and I... I didn't know, I had an idea in my head, but I am not tech savvy in any right. way. I yeah. use charcoal. Charcoal paper. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much it. And um, I w wanted somehow to, I've been interested in this idea of mirroring, mm. which goes back to this when I talk about the writing, how the writing can mirror what you're doing and this relationship. So I wanted somehow to do a drawing and mirror myself, because I was also interested in some of the forms that were happening through mirroring. Yeah. So I said to Ollie, is it possible for you to film me and whilst I'm drawing, do some sort of live projection back of that drawing so it becomes mirrored and not so that my body's kind of, um, you know, and to play down the body. And he's like, I don't know, but let's see. And so he went away and did his thing and came back and we tweaked around with the lighting and because you've got to sort of balance the projection light because the idea was to make it so it's all one seamless backdrop yep. so you're actually looking at a surface that's got two different light sources you've got a projected image and a live image and the challenge was really to make it as one so it's basically a, a live recorded playback projection yep. alongside and yeah he, what he did was really lovely and he brought things to it that I hadn't imagined like there was sort of a, a softening or a blurring yep. so yeah it's he, almost like a ghost image yeah at times. yeah and yeah. um yeah, so he added some elements to it which were really lovely and, and worked. And what interesting at Toy Puniki as well because it responded to the environment. I think it was picking up a shadow from the pillar so that right, brought yep. in this kind of crazy shape in the middle that everyone was sort of like a raw starch yep. blotch that everyone was reading things right. <laughs> as well. So, yeah, yeah I, at first I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, I hadn't planned for that. And then I was like, actually, it's quite cool. But no, it was really enjoyable working with both of them in that way. Right. And um, I think before, up until that point, I've had a very solo practice. So I've sort of thought, oh, that was actually really fun mm. to bring in other people's skills and to kind of bounce off. And, and I guess because you're all, everybody's working in a different field, mm. then there isn't a, any sort of sense of competition or mm. you're all working towards something using the thing that you're good at yeah. rather than like I, I can imagine working with another artist could become quite fractious at times yeah there could be tensions because you're both so mm. well you've got to yeah. have you've got to I, I think with art you've always got to have complete faith in what you're doing if you if you've lost any faith or if you're not if you don't have a hundred percent buy-in it yep. deflates like a balloon you know so yeah that I think I agree you have to mm find a way and maybe it's easier working with people from outside your discipline. You don't have to compromise. Yeah. 
Because mm. compromise is very dangerous, I think. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No you, compromise. You, you give a little bit. <laughs> you give a little bit more. You give a little bit more, and suddenly, it's all. It's, yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Plus, you can trust in the other. Like you, you know, say, you know, the video and the, and the sound, the creation of the sound. You're like, well, I, I know that you know that. Mm. So then you can really just give a little bit yeah. of non-technical feedback or. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, you do your thing. And going forward, I'd be interested happens. in a more kind of, uh, I mean, for this show at, at Toy, it was kind of like, I see this, can you do it? Mm, yeah. And that worked really great for me. You know, I could probably learn more from repositioning mm. that, like going back to Simon yeah. and saying, you know, what could we do? Yeah. So it's more that we're devising something together. So yeah. I was quite interested after talking to Simon briefly about what his experience of it was doing and, and mm. he said that for him because he's you know a musician he's normally dealing with uh, melody or tunes and for this work he was making sounds Sorry. and the sounds are great because they really captured the sound of the, what the charcoal was doing mm. but for him the sound it was what he described as a very kind of flat structure he wasn't there wasn't a direction right. or something that he was building to there was no narrative so yeah. I found that really interesting and I'm kind of interested in where that something like that could go where you're talking yeah. about composition and structure I'd say, and yeah. time and between art forms or I'd say thinking about the rules that you put in place to make your drawings well what if they were imposed on the musician mm. Mm. and sure. then you yeah. followed what the musician did yeah. rather than him following you mm. I mean yeah mm. that because music is that structure mm. that you know there is that narrative there is that and so but what if you impose a visual yeah. structure on it yes yeah. um, we were yeah. talking earlier about um, you got something coming up in Loughborough later on in the year mm -hmm. and you were saying are you going to be doing presenting a paper or something yeah yep um, got to write it first that's right writing that's that's <laughs> I just yeah what are you going to write about uh, well, I would be drawing a lot about this performance. So um, the the conference is part of a, a organisation called Tracy or the Drawing Research Network, and um, it's a drawing centre. It's online and it's okay. based in out of Loughborough University. So yep. hopefully, I'll be travelling over to oh, great. England and somewhere. I think Leicester. Leicester, oh, Loughborough, it's in Loughborough, and yeah. um, presenting conference there. And it's on the phenomenology, and so I will be talking about about the body and the role of the body and yeah. experience in drawing. Right. And so a lot of it will be about those parameters that we put in place yeah. to um, highlight um, movement in yeah. the body. Um, those parameters like being the architecture or mm. the size of the paper or mm. and I think that's I find that really interesting mm. like leading up to the you know the the materiality of it the, the material being the actor and even with the simple piece of paper like for the um, performance I purposefully got the paper off a roll yep. so not one here at Toy Ponaki but the one earlier Mm. And so it had its own life. If you've ever dealt with a piece of paper that's yes. been on a roll, oh yes, <laughs> you know? and so that could just stand there like a right. like a person or a yep. being, and then I pick it up and it makes this great noise, and yep. mm. then as I'm folding it, it's already curving and it's so 
that really had a life of its own and, and the charcoal as well, I'm really interested in media or material and mm -hmm. how this charcoal, you hold it in your hand and it just looks like a little kind of stick and it's got all this potential kind of locked up mm -hmm. in it and it's only through action and movement that you can unlock and show all that yep. potential so I guess I'll be writing about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of potential in the blank page that you yeah. have in front of you. Yeah, but that, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what you, you do that in your own work as well, because I know I used you as an example to the students in the oh contemporary God. drawing <laughs> about, <laughs> you know, this idea of systems and serendipity, yeah. and, and I remember you kind of saying that um, you used it as, like, systems as a generative practice. Yeah, and I, I sort of find um, I've made works using choose-your-own-adventure books to mm. begin with, and playing the choose your own adventure, I record numbers, and those numbers would then be turned into wall drawings. Mm. Um, so they became like uh, plots, plots, coordinates yeah, on a chart, like X and Y axis or something. Like yeah, so the first one was just a big grid of all the possible moves, numbered 1 through to 394. Mm. And then I just drew a red line you know, from page 1, I moved to page 29, 29 to 307, and so I just drew this red line. Mm. The game I played until I died or won. Yeah, um, and that was it was an it was a wonderful drawing. You know, it was a couple of meters tall, a couple of meters wide, and then that sort of developed into um, painted works. Um, the game I I died quicker in some games, so <laughs> so it meant I was then plotting along an X and a Y axis. Yeah, and was making sort of these colored triangles, yeah. which were just sort of reinterpretations I guess of my journey through the book but I, I think what I find about having rules in place is that there's that and for some people they sort of it's almost like you're denying their artistic ability you know the mm. artist is getting rid of the artist because anybody could do this mm. there are the rules go ahead and make it and I really quite like that I don't have to make decisions all mm. the decisions are made mm. up front mm. I mean, like we were talking earlier, and what I was interested in your works was, at what point do you know when to stop drawing? Because mm. mm. like with a, with some rule-based system, like with the Choose Your Own Adventure books, when I died, the game was over. Didn't you cheat and just go back to start <laughs> yeah. again? No. <laughs> sometimes I had a sort of... Sometimes I put finger, kept a finger in the page and turned, oh, maybe we'll go that way. Yeah. But, so, you know, with your works, like... How do you know when to stop? Because I was looking at it and thinking, well, has she done this 20 times? Has she done it 30 times? Mm. Like, yeah, I was wondering when the, the finish would be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a really common question yeah. that a lot of people ask, is when so, do you know when to stop? Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting in that, but I'm going to explore that more. I mean, there were different mm. points or reasons for stopping yeah. for those works on the show, and one was yeah. that I um, reached a point where I thought it looked good. It, and that's interesting itself. I, yeah, that's the when one you, it just sort of. Why does it look good? There was a semblance of form that looked balanced in some way, and I felt that one of the things with drawing is there is a precarity to it. Everything yeah. is hovering like I don't know if you're a cook. It's a souffle. There's a <laughs> blamage thing. It could fall over, mm, yeah. and you can overcook things. Um, and sometimes with drawing or with painting, you need to mm. as well and go beyond that mm. Mm. point. You you destroy it. 
Hmm. I didn't want to though. No. <laughs> well, that's it. And sometimes you, you experience go, stitches yes. you though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah. you just stop and go, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to walk away now. So there's that, that you yeah. can stop when it looks good. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in other ways. I, I've done it. I've, other drawings I've stopped when my arm is about to drop off. I could stop when I run it, when I've used that stick of charcoal. Or you could stop when you run out of time. Yeah. You know, mm. So you give yourself a certain period of time once yeah. that's passed. So I'm interested in all of those, and mm. perhaps you, it would be an interesting one. I haven't done it yet, but you basically follow the same process, but you you see what the difference is with each of those yeah. start points. Yeah. What is what effect does that have on on the the work? You know, knowing I was coming to talk to you, and we'd probably yeah. be talking about this. I, I was thinking about the relationship of it, and it goes right back for me, like. Years ago, when I started drawing seriously, I had a, a life drawing based oh, yeah. practice. It's really yeah. orientated around life drawing. I've had exhibitions of life drawings, yeah. so, you know. And for me, the life drawings that I loved the most were the shortest ones. The, the five second, the yeah. 10 second, the 15 second, up yeah. to a minute. Yeah. And the ones that I was least happy with were the 45 minute to okay. an hour. Right, right. And it was yeah. like, why did I not like those ones? And it's because of, and it's linking to what you're saying, is yeah. that once you start getting past 20 minutes, the drive or the pressure of that temporal bracket starts to dissipate, and then it becomes a more aesthetic thing. Oh, I'll put a little bit of shading there, or I'll put, yeah. maybe I'll sketch in the outline of the couch in the background, right. or, and all these other things start to come in and muddy it. And I always felt that my more successful, the drawings that I liked the best, were the ones that had this urgency of the model was there. And there's also something about the model being nude. You know, draw them because they're taking their clothes off. Draw them yeah, more kind yeah. of commanding than a bowl of fruit. So I don't exactly yeah. know why. but So there was this time, there was this, in a way that was a rule-based thing as well. You know, bringing yeah. the time in. I, guess. I couldn't find a way to spend longer with work and not slip right. into this kind of... Uh, it yeah. lost something for me so I think that's why I went to so study the, I went right, to yeah. university did a masters in yeah. fine art to learn ways to be strategies to be with work longer and to for generative to generate more work I think when I got to Massey then it, uh, and studying yeah. then it was like you can't draw nude bodies without <laughs> talking about gender and yeah, I was like yeah. I'm not actually interested in gender I'm not I, no. so then the body just kind of actually got absorbed by the charcoal, slipped yep. down and, and mm. funnily enough re-emerged through, indexically through my marks, yep. referring the body but in an mm. indexical way rather than an iconic kind of, you know, the, the classic bodily life drawing yeah. from, yeah. from yeah. <laughs> how they used to teach art back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that, like, those, those rules do allow you to be with that work for longer mm, mm. and that process can or having those rules can eliminate that aesthetic judgment because mm. yeah what if you were to keep on drawing for 20 minutes for 40 minutes for seven days mm. and it, it becomes more about the process which like you're saying about the writing it's it's the process of writing that is important mm. and only by doing it do you get the end result mm, mm. you don't know what that no. end result is going to be until yeah. you do it 
Because you can be lying in bed and yeah. you have these amazing <laughs> ideas and you're like, oh, I've got to go down to the studio and do that. And then you're like, meh. <laughs> you know? It's sort of like you see a stone or something underwater and it's amazing and then you pick it up. It's only when you pick it up that it kind of... That's uh, yeah, <laughs> lost it. Back lost it. But you got to do you got to do that because yeah. occasionally you get a good one. That's a big part of teaching as well. Is just right. you know you've got to do it. You've got to have that dialogue. It's right. you can't imagine what you know. You, drawing is part of that thing where it it is really a dialogue between yeah. the work speaks to you back. There's yes. no way you can really pre-imagine. It's one of those things where you end up talking with your hands mm. because it's such a <laughs> well, just because drawing is such a physical thing, mm. and you know, particularly charcoal, you're using this stuff that gets under your nails that leaves marks all over the place. Mm. And the act of drawing is it involves your body mm. and a part of your brain that doesn't do words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is why it's so difficult to talk about sometimes, yeah. and that's why I think it's interesting that you're going to be trying to write about. I mean, writing is sort of what started this body of work, it seems, with just all those little snippets. Yeah. And to turn it into a drawing with the words and then into the more drawings and sand and then going back to writing. It's, it's all about movement. And I think right. that kind of, that dualism probably between yeah. mind and matter is a bit of a false one. I think it's all part of cognition. Is it's yes. actually just the movement in itself. So ideas, mm. they're all... It's all one thing, really. It's yeah. to put, you know, mind and matter here is a little bit of a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the word is. Binarism or yeah. false... False thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't keep doing it, you go crazy, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. You, you get a bit scratchy. Yeah. A yeah. bit grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Gary's got the shakes, he needs to yeah, go into the studio I again. Go, go mix some paint and just <laughs> log it on that canvas. And it's like, oh, everything's, the world is right again. Yeah, yeah. It is a bit crazy, but it is a little bit like that sometimes. Mm, mm. I think. So that was Lisa. Yep, that was a great conversation with Lisa. Um, thanks for listening. We hope you all enjoyed it. And um, I guess we're going to do this again. I think we should yeah. do it again. Yeah, so um, just keep an eye out on the website. That's toyponicky.nz. Um, and you'll see when the next podcast's up. And if you're passing, pop on in. Yeah.